0: was with us on Monday night, and uh, come on, he had a great word on the Awakened Church. It spoke to my heart. It just spoke to me about living beyond, going for the next step that God has for us as a congregation. There was a tremendous anointing in this house. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. There were miracles. Tuesday night, Pastor Adrian Blue and we had church access granted. There were miracles, healings, prophetic words. I mean, it was just... Unbelievable! We didn't get out of here until like 10.30 on Tuesday night, and just a great, great night in God. And then Wednesday night, we had our own Pastor Glenn, and amen. It was a- We've, Every seat that we could get into this auditorium, we got in here as we had wide open, and we had our Wednesday night uh, uh, small groups all come together. It's a great, great night. We're going to do this every year. This is our second year of doing the Daniel Fast, taking the first month of January, just seeking the Lord. God, what do you have for us? And then... We're going to have four nights where we just press into the Lord. I would encourage you next year just to anticipate it's going to happen. We're going to do it. And God will, God always honors those who seek Him. Amen? Amen. So if you attended, what I need you to do is we have these little blue cards and on the back, there's a little prayer prayer request or praise report. Could you take just a moment? Could you just put a little, hey, God did something in my life. God spoke to me. God touched me. God healed me. I had reports of people being healed this last week. Just put that on there. You can also go to my Facebook page, and you can respond to my Facebook page. That would be a great, great help. Everyone said amen. Amen. Lots going on here today. Lots going on. But we are beginning a brand new series entitled Family on the Rock. Family on the Rock. Everyone builds their life on some kind of foundation. Whether whether it's intentional or it's by accident, we build our life by the choices that we make. We're going to read two passages of scripture this morning. I want you to stand with me as we read God's word together. The first passage is found in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 24 through 27. And then we're going to read James chapter 1, verse number 25. But the first passage I want to address is Matthew's gospel, chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. The background, the background of our text this morning is this. Jesus, Jesus is teaching the most revolutionary concepts that the world has ever heard. Probably the most profound message that Jesus ever spoke were the words that preceded the portion they are going to read this morning. It's called the Beatitude. The Beatitudes were so revolutionary. The Sermon on the Mount has been so revolutionary in human history that a man like Mahatma Gandhi, who was a, a Hindu, not even a follower of Christ, read the words of Jesus read the words of Jesus and erratically transformed the way he thought about government and civil disobedience and enacting government and literally brought around a whole revolution in his generation. Martin Luther King Jr. read the words, read the words of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount and it changed his concept and his mindset about confronting the issues of his generation and peaceful, peaceful resistance. Brought around the civil rights movement and literally has changed the face of this nation. Uh, these words of Jesus, these words of Jesus are words not just to hear, they're words to live. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter, chapter 7, verse number 24, he says these words. He says, therefore, everyone say therefore. therefore. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock.'" crash. Now I want you to turn over to James chapter 1. We're going to read verse number 25. James chapter 1, verse verse number 25. And the Bible says, but whoever looks intently, everyone say intently, into the perfect law, the perfect law, the embodiment of the law was Christ Jesus himself. He was grace and truth. He fulfilled every command of God. Who looks into the perfect law, Christ Jesus, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed. Everyone say, they will be blessed in what they do. Here's my idea this morning. Here's my one big idea. I want you to get this this morning. Building our families on the rock, Christ Jesus, is the only way to have a blessed home. Amen. Building our lives, building our families on the rock, Christ Jesus, is the only way. To have a blessed home. This morning we're going to pray, our pastoral prayer this morning, we're going to pray for one of our own, Termaine Smith. She is in ICU down in Orlando. She has uh, not expected to live. She's 35 years of age. She has two teenage daughters. She has less than 10% of her heart function. We're going to pray today for Termaine. Will you join me this morning as we pray for Termaine? Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that your word is true. I thank You that You said that we could pray and the sick would recover. Lord, I'm believing for a good report. I've heard the report of the doctors this weekend. But I know that You are the great physician. Lord, I stand in agreement with this church family today. And we believe that You are the God who heals. We are the. We believe that you're the God who hears. And we ask right now for a supernatural touch at Tremaine's body. God, I pray that you will do what only you can do. Now Lord, I pray for those that are here this morning, at the sound of my voice, that they will have a spiritual ear to hear. And God, that you will empower me and give me the grace one more time to communicate this truth. God, that you desire for us to live a blessed life. And when we build on the right foundation, your grace is there for us. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray for the Seattle Seahawks. I pray they have a great game, and they win tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. All right, you may be seated this morning. Okay. I have. Oh, look at that. Oh, we're going to line up. Listen. I mean, you can leave Seattle, but Seattle will never leave you, right? Once a Seahawks fan, always a Seahawks fan. I mean, the first time in the Super Bowl. And how could I not support the Seahawks, right? I never wore a T-shirt. Actually, one time I did wear a T-shirt Sunday morning, but uh, I just got into This guy here, man, Russell Wilson, he is a great Christian. And I know Peyton Manny's is a great guy, but Russell Christian, he's the real deal. So I'm a Seahawk guy today. We're going to have a great time. All right, so how do we build our life on the right foundation? Now, I want to start off this morning. I want to tell you that our family, uh, we are not a perfect family. I'm definitely not a perfect dad. I'm not a perfect guy. I'm not a perfect pastor. I'm a person. I'm a man, just like the other men in the room. I have challenges and issues and struggles, just like everyone else. My wife is almost perfect. She's almost perfect. She's almost the perfect mom. Almost. 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 <laughs> My boys, on. we're a we're family, man. We're trying to do this thing. We're trying to live for God to fulfill his purposes in our generation. Now, I have permission to tell the story that I'm about to tell this morning. It's about my youngest son, Keenan, And he was eight years of age. He was in third grade. He's a smart kid. He's always done really, really well in school. But in third grade, uh, it was progress report time. And he had one bad grade on his report. He had a D. And uh, he's really good with words and communication. He's always been very good. He's very, you know, he's smart. He can say the right thing and or the wrong thing. I guess it depends on how you look at it. But, but he told the teacher that if he brought that progress report home with a D on it, that he would get a beating when he got home. We've never beat our kids. I'm not a beater. Uh, I have disciplined my children. But uh, the teacher obviously freaked out. And, um, you know, they're required, you know, to report things like that. And so my wife, fortunately, she's a good super mom, and she volunteered once a week with this teacher. And so she had a relationship. And the teacher came to her and said, you know, Keaton says that if you brought this report home that you were going to beat him. And you know it's like you know they gotta get real serious and they really attempt. I no 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 we never said anything like that. We would never say anything like. Now when Keenan got home, we said Keenan, if you ever say anything like that again, we're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> life is challenging, isn't that right? We've all got challenges. We've all got things that we're working through in our life. The fact is, we all want a blessed home. We all want our. Families to be blessed. But we live in a generation that's confused about how to build on the right foundation. We got opinions and worldviews and concepts and ideas. They're just flying around. You can Google. You can Google. It is amazing the information that's available on Google. You can Google anything. People Google my sermons. People Google to see that if a statistic that I just gave, my sons, they said, Dad, I Google that while you're talking. And that wasn't right. I'm like, You gotta be kidding me. That's the stats I got. You gotta, you wanna, you know, I mean, it's just we live in a very interesting generation. And so there's a lot of conflicting ideas about what's right, what's wrong, how to do it, what not to do. For every expert opinion, there's another expert that says it's not the right way to do it. But there are some things that I've seen over the years that I know that are absolutely wrong. One of the, one of the things that I see parents do is that they want to become their children's best friend before being their parent. I've seen that mistake for many, many parents. They, they want to be their children's best friend. You know, they want to make their kids happy. And so uh, I was at a restaurant not too long ago, and, and uh, there was this mom, and she had two little boys, and uh, she wouldn't discipline them. I mean, in the middle of the restaurant, the two boys are literally rolling around, wrestling, fighting on the ground. People all around them trying to step over, them. waitresses trying to get around them. The boys are just on the ground wrestling, and mom just eating there. Nobody cares. Don't, oh, that might hurt you. Oh, I mean, you're like, okay, hey, knock it off, boys. We ain't doing that around here. You know? I mean, you want to just jump in there and fix it, but it's not your kid. Wrong. It's wrong. I mean, you're the parent. You have responsibilities. You train your children. You equip your kids. That's a wrong way to try to make your kids always happy and trying to be their best friend. Another thing that I see in our culture today that's just excessive, uh, we are always actively engaged. I, I went to every single thing that my boys did. I coached their teams. I was always involved with them as children growing up. But what I see is that parents make extracurricular activities the foundation of their home. I remember when Keenan played baseball and and uh, we went you know we had practices and we always had our games on Saturday but they like to do games on Sunday now and I told the uh, coach i said hey we don't do practice or we don't do practice and we don't play on sunday i mean we just can't it's not our life it's not what we do and and he said oh yeah he goes i'm a christian i go to this church over here he said but man you know we're all about baseball we travel we got my son's a great baseball player and so what they told their kids is that playing sports on sunday was more important than going to the house of god and i'm like yeah you know for us it's just not the foundation that we're building because i know it's going to last I know that that child probably isn't going to make it to the major leagues, and even if they do, even if they do, listen, uh, it's such a small percentage of people that ever get paid to play professional sport. Now, you know, it's another discussion, but I see that happen, and it's in many things. It isn't just in sports, but it's all kinds of activities, and I see people hyper-focused on getting their kids into the right school and right education and all these things, and they're all good. These things are good within themselves, but they're not the foundation on which we're to build our lives. What we are to build our life on is this. Here's what we're to build our life on. And that is to fulfill the purpose of God. And the purpose of God is to glorify Him, to fulfill the purpose for which we're created, and to enjoy His presence forever. And when you get that into your heart as a mission and a way to live your life, it changes your perspective on how you're going to live and the decisions that you're going to make. You see, God wants to bless us. God wants to bless you. Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's one of my favorite verses regarding the blessings of God. Because in Deuteronomy, God just lays out His plan for His people and His desire to do good. But The Bible says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings. Everyone say, all these blessings will come on you. They'll come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. See, here's the deal. You're a single today. You've got to lay the right foundation. It isn't just going to happen when you get married. There's a lot of single people in our church. Listen, lay the right foundation. Build your life on the rock. Uh, uh, Today, the purposes and the plans of God, they've never changed. They're to do good for His children. Now, here's the thing. We have an instruction book. We have an instruction book. It's called the Bible. Basic instructions before you leave this earth. God has given us a roadmap. We're not left clueless on how we're to do this. What kind of building are you to build your life on? I want to show you this picture. It's a, it's a picture of my backyard in Seattle, Washington. Now it's the, it's the finished product it 's a finished product, but you can kind of see that wall there, uh, that rock wall and it 's not a complete I can only find one picture. I went back years later and took a picture of this, but I built that I built that wall I actually that whole backyard one summer I took three months, I was in between ministry, I had started a church in the inner city, left that i didn 't have another assignment yet from the Lord, and so I took three months and I completely remodeled my backyard. I had never I had never driven one of those heavy operating equipment. I, a friend of mine had a little Bobcat, and he let me borrow the Bobcat. And I dug out the the backyard, and I moved dirt around, and I cut down trees, and, and I got these. They, they call those rocks their one-man rock. Now they don't look very big, but when you go to pick up a rock like that, they weigh about 200 pounds a piece. And I weighed about one hundred and forty five pounds at the time, so you can tell that that was i mean for me they were one man rocks, but they were like three man wrecks. I had to go rocks I had to go get a couple of Samoan brothers to help me out and they, they helped me lift those rocks and put them in place. But the first time I did it, I, you know i didn 't know what I was doing. I just said,'ll well, just stack the rocks, make it look nice, and we 'll backfill it with dirt with sand we'll backfill it with sand well. The first rain that came, the very first rain that came, and I mean it rains in Seattle, it rains here too, but it rained, and it rained for like two weeks straight. I remember I walked out into my backyard and I saw some of the rocks starting to slide. And then within three or four days, that whole rock, that whole thing just slid back down into the bottom. I was like, wow, (laughs) that was a lot of work. So I had a buddy of mine that knew how to build rock walls, and I asked him, I said, what do you do? He said, well, you did it all wrong. I said, oh, thank you. thank you, genius. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. He said, well, you got to get gravel. you got to backfill it. And so I built it. I built that rock wall, and I built backfill it. You know, they said to do this much gravel. I did that much gravel. That thing was never going to come down again. And I built that thing, and I put this concrete, built the concrete. We did all that work, and I went back years later, and that rock wall hadn't budged. Why? Because it was built on the right foundation when the rains came and the storms came and they're going to come in your life when your life is built on the right foundation your life will sustain your life will stand strong so people try to build their lives they build their lives on all kinds of things and I can tell you today there are three things that don't work real quick three things that don't work the first thing that doesn't work in trying to build your Christian life is to build it on a legalistic Christianity to build it on a legalistic christianity. Now let me say something here today because everything is called legalism today. Everything is, you know, every kind of standard that anybody would have is called legalism. But that, that legalism has to do about a, with the matter of the heart. What Jesus was always concerned with was the heart. And what rules make, what rules do when you set rules that don't necessarily have a lot of connection to reality or a lot of connection to to really the way that people think or live, they become just that. They become rules without any concept of why a person should do it. And rules without relationship always lead to rebellion. And Jesus, man, in his generation, they had all kinds of rules about how to serve God right, how to do it right, how to live right. They had all these standards and all these rules that weren't even in God's word. They were extra. They were beyond what God said. I grew up in a church as a little boy that was a very rule-driven church. Our fellowship, the way we grew up and the way we lived, we had standards. And some of them were good, but some of them just didn't make any sense. I mean, the fact is, when I was a boy, drums were not allowed in my church. They weren't allowed. Drums weren't allowed. A saxophone wasn't allowed to be played in my church. I mean, we had lots of rules like that. We had rules. You had to get into the club to kind of figure out the rules. But once you got in, you learned real quickly. That there were certain dresses, certain kinds of dress that girls didn't wear. There were certain kinds of makeup, certain ways they cut their hair and not cut their hair, certain things that guys did. And my pastor built a really nice gym. We had a beautiful gym. And... Uh, but we weren't allowed in this gym. In the in the hottest summers, we weren't we weren't allowed ever. But we weren't allowed to wear shorts. We weren't a- allowed to wear shorts in the gym because something about men showing their legs with only other men playing in the room that wasn't appropriate. Now I don't know where that rule came from, but somehow at some point at some time it made sense to somebody, and so we had these rules. And so uh, you know I'd bring my friends. that would say, hey, it's a great gym to play in, but you know we got to wear sweats. <laughs> Okay. You know, they wanted to play basketball It was so interesting They wanted to play basketball so bad That they went ahead and wore sweats Because they wanted to play But legalistic Christianity When we make rules in our family And it doesn't have a connection to a why Why are we doing it Your children are going to like They're not going to It's going to be difficult Well we don't do that Why don't we Well I just said we don't do that And so what starts to happen It builds a sense of resentment In your kid and your children And, and, and those kinds of things Legalistic Christianity Because it's not based on love It's based on doing it my way or the highway. The second thing that doesn't work in people's life that I've seen is this lukewarm Christianity. This kind of take church, don't take church, kind of take God, don't take God. Lukewarm Christianity. There's a really scary verse in the Bible. And there are some verses in the Bible that make me nervous. And this is one of them. It's Luke's Gospel, Revelation chapter 3, and Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea. And he says it like this, Jesus, I know your deeds, I know what you've done, I know the stuff you've tolerated in your life, your sexual immorality, your sexual promiscuity, you're buying into the way of the world. And So because you are lukewarm, I'm going to spew you, or spit you, out of my mouth. Wow. Those are powerful words. I mean, Jesus is talking about a passionless Christianity. A faith that really doesn't have any passion attached to it. A faith that has no commitment attached to it. A faith that's just about, you know, I take God here, you know, whenever, uh, whenever you know, kind of convenient for me. I go to church, whenever it kind of works into our schedule. We've got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, the sense of lukewarmness. And this verse, this particular part of this message Grip my heart this week Because I realize how quickly And how easy it is for me to drift It is so easy The longer that I serve Christ It is so easy for me to become apathetic About my relationship with God It's kind of like in a marriage You just take your spouse for granted They're always going to be there They're always going to love you You don't do the things that cultivate that fire And that relationship and that passion You know, I mean Things like just reading your Bible and there's not a desire or a passion to ever read the Bible. And you just do it like that you know, when you get in trouble. You know, that's a pretty good indication that you're lukewarm. Uh, this passion to worship. I mean, I'll see people just, and I'm not talking about new Christians. You're a new Christian trying to figure it out. I get all that, but people that have been in the way for a long time and just sit there and never enter into worship. Never enter into worship. Worship never enters into your home. Ah, it's got to go from the church house to your house if this thing's going to work. It's got to go from your house you know, this thing called prayer. This thing communicating and talking to God. You know, when it's not present in our reality, in our life, it's just an indication that we're, we're lukewarm. Our generosity, our giving. People start off really good and they believe giving and generosity. And then, then it becomes apathetic. And then, well, I don't really believe that. And they Google. And some guy in Australia says that tithing isn't for today. So I believe that now. Because some guy that you have no relationship with, I mean, you're going to believe. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. But these indications in our life that our spiritual life is just off-kilter. It's not quite right. And that kind of Christianity doesn't produce a Christianity that passes on to the next generation. Because here's the deal today. What I see, that lukewarmness leads to a laziness in a Christian's walk. Just being lazy. And when people are lazy, they're ignorant. They're ignorant. When people are lazy in their faith, they're ignorant. They become ignorant. They don't know the ways of God. They don't take time to study for themselves and to search out and to see the things that I'm saying. Listen... Be a Berean. Study for yourself. Google for yourself. See if the things that I'm saying are true or not. Just don't take it for face value. Learn how to have a better relationship. We offer classes on marriage. We offer classes on finances. We offer classes on how to raise kids. And I'll see this happen all the time. I'll see this parents who really challenge the kids, the parents who really challenge a child or raising their children, will have a parenting class and they won't go. It's like, okay, well... I mean, you don't really want to fix it. Or they get into the class and they want to argue with the whole teacher. Their relationship isn't working right. The person that's teaching has lived it, made it work, and they want to argue with, well, you know, I, you know, there's just some real ignorance out there. I and mean, it doesn't work. Lazy Christianity doesn't produce the kind of fruit that passes on to the next generation. It doesn't pass on. Because here's the deal today. We are not just a Christian home. We're not looking just to build a Christian family. We are looking to build a Christ-centered home. That's what we're looking to do. We're looking to build a Christ-centered home. That's the heart of it. That's the passion of it. So I want to talk about how we do that today. How do we build a Christ-centered home? First of all, it starts with the parents. It starts with the parents. It starts with the husband and wife. I want to break this down all the way down to the single person. If you're a single person today... You're a single person today, and in our church we have so many wonderful, beautiful single people. And I always, I, I've heard this. I heard this last week. I heard some of the guys saying, "Man, there's just no good girls in our church." And then last on the same week, I heard the young ladies say, "You know, there's just no good guys in our church." And I'm like, "Oh man, I think I think these two groups need to just get together here." You know what I mean? Come on, amen. I mean, it starts it starts when you're a single, and then you're married. You make a decision to put Christ first. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. And the way we do that is that when we hear something, we say, God, does that apply to me? And then how do I practice it? How do I live it? How do I apply the teachings and the words of Jesus? We're not just a Christian family. We're seeking to be a Christ-centered home. A Christian family is never defined by what the children are doing. See, there's a lot of kids. There's a lot of kids in our churches. Parents will bring their kids. They want to get a little religious instruction in and institution. And so they got their kids in all these programs and that program. And that's not what defines a Christian home. A Christian home is defined by what the parents are doing. That's what defines a Christian home. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we do it? We as parents, out of the overflow of our relationship with Christ, we nurture our children. We teach our children. We talk to them about the ways of God. I want to give you just one little free nibbit here. It's something I've just really thought about in my life over the years. What I believe today is a thankful family is a happy family. A thankful family is a happy family. Being thankful for the things that you have. Being thankful for the station and the position and the place that God has you today. Being thankful. Paul says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, pray about everything. And then he says, in all circumstances, in all things, give thanks to God. For this is God's will in Christ Jesus. Learning to be a thankful family for the blessings of God. Learning to be thankful. A grateful heart, a thankful heart, is a blessed heart. It comes of an Overflow. You want your children happy. You want your family happy. Begin to practice gratitude. Begin to practice gratefulness. A thankful home is a healthy and a happy home. The second thing that I see I'm building on the right foundation. This is so crucial. This is so crucial. At whatever stage or place that you are in life, involve God in your daily conversations. You're a single person. Involve God in your daily conversations. What attracted Laura to me was that she loved God. And when we first met all of our conversations, we always talked about the things of God. Now in our family, we talk about everything. We talk about politics, we talk about economics, we talk about world events and leaders. and we talk about, we talk about the kingdom, the local church. But everything we talk about is always filtered through this concept of what is God thing? What is God's perspective? Involving God in our daily conversations. Pointing out to your kids at work. I, I've told this story, but just humor me. I'm going to tell it again. and It's one of the things that's just so poignant in my mind. So poignant in my mind in relationship to us talking about a God with our children. But when Keenan was a young boy, probably 9 or 10 years of age, I, I had a big thing on the bottom of my foot. And I asked Keenan, I said, Keenan, do you want to see a miracle? And I just, it was really simple. We were watching television. It was just a, a family moment, just relaxed. And I said, Keenan, why don't you lay your hand on my foot and pray over it? And when you lay your hand on my foot, God's going to heal me. And that takes some faith, doesn't it? Right? It takes some faith to believe that, to do that. And when Keenan laid his hand on my foot, God instantly healed my foot. It was right before his own eyes. He came into my room. He's 18 years of age now. That was eight years ago. He said, Dad, I don't care what anybody says. I know that God heals today because I saw him heal your foot. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't have to prove it theologically to him. I mean, someone can argue, and these guys over here can argue that God doesn't work like that today, but I can tell you that God does. We bring God into our daily conversations. Our daily conversation. Deuteronomy says, impress them on your children, the blessings and the ways of God. Talk about them when you're set at home, when you walk along the road, when you're lying down, and when you're getting up. The other night, Laura and I, we just had a moment. We had a moment. I, uh, I have a hymn book that's uh, up on the piano at our house and I picked up the hymn book and I went into the bedroom I just lay in a bed and I started singing the old hymns. I know we don't sing a lot of hymns anymore but when we sing hymns and when I sing a hymn and the tears begin to flow. I mean I grew up with the hymns it's how we live our life and I begin to sing and my wife she like she knows every song secular and sacred that's ever been written on the planet. Like I've never heard you know, she has a mind and then she writes songs. She can just like write songs and raps and all the kinds of things on the fly. I'm like oh my God. And we're laying. She's laying over on her side, like she's getting ready to go to sleep. And and I start singing to him. And then she gets me on the right key. And then she sings the song with me. And we sing him after him after him after him. It was the sweetest moment in our family. Just so sweet. The presence of God was so real. Having God, parents, some challenge, challenging you. you don't have children yet. And have that God. Have those God conversations. What's God doing in our life right now? You know, out of, out of whatever's happening, whatever you're struggling, whatever you're working. What is God saying? What's What's God, what does God say about this? Having those God conversations in your life. The third thing, the third foundation, you must, these must happen in your life if you're going to build on the right foundation. The last thing this morning is we must make serving and attending church a non negotiable in our family. We must make serving and attending a church a non negotiable in our family. So the fact is, today, serving God is fun. I mean, I can wear, in the old days, you couldn't wear, we were not allowed to wear, we didn't even acknowledge that there was a Super Bowl game going on. (laughs) We weren't even allowed to, I remember, I was so, I mean, I watched everything. When I was a kid, I watched every sport. If there were two cockroaches that were racing that morning, I mean, on the television set, I was going to watch two cockroaches, you know, racing some, I mean, it don't matter. I loved sports when I was a kid. I was totally into sports. I loved everything about sports. Super Bowl Sunday It was always on Sunday We had to go to church I was like Oh I can't believe it You know And we didn't have no telephones And we were trying to figure out How to get information What the score was You know And somebody would come in late And say the score is You know (sighs) See it's always about A relationship with God It's always about Putting his kingdom first And serving God's fun I just got to tell you you might not have been here this last week. And i got to tell you, these last four nights, the four nights of the awakening they were fun. They were fun. It beat any television show that you watch on television. It be any amount of time that you set behind you. I know difficult, challenging, it's always easy. But when you make the house of God a priority in your life, when you make the house of God a priority, what you're, you're showing the Lord is that you really do want to seek Him. Because it's in His presence. It's in His presence that your heart is tenderized and softened towards the Lord. It's in His presence in worship. There's something powerful about the corporate gathering. The writer of Hebrews says, don't, don't, don't forsake the assembly. Don't forsake the gathering together. Listen, uh, that you should spend time with one another. Encourage one another. You should not stay away from church meetings as some are doing. But you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more. As you see the day coming, do this even more, making the house of God a priority in your family. We've raised our boys. We made the decision. When we go on vacations, we go to church. When we go on this last this last trip that we took to New York, I've never tried so hard to get to church, and I didn't make it. We went down. You know, you got to catch the subways. We got to the subway. We were trying to get to church. We were got into the subway and and, and then we find we stand there for like 20 minutes and that subway train doesn't run in that day. So we run upstairs and then we try to run and catch a bus and it's raining and my wife's got these boots on and they're completely soaking wet and we're trying to. I said, okay, well we can't make it to that church, but we can make it to this other church and, and it's raining and it's 30 degrees and it's sleeting and we're cold and and we got all the way to church and they just got out. <laughs> We tried, though. Do we, we get a point? We're trying, you know. <laughs> but we've always made it a priority in our family and our life. that The house of God. Being in the presence of God and being with His people is a priority in our life. It just has to be, guys, is how this thing works. Building your life on the right foundation. My favorite verse regarding this whole concept of building your life on the right foundation is found in Joshua twenty-four fifteen. When the man of God stood before the people. He said, if it seems preferable to you to serve the Amorite gods and the ways of this world, go ahead and do it. Whatever seems good to you, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Come on, someone said amen. We will serve God in our generation. We will make the name of Jesus famous in our generation. We have a mission. We have a purpose. Let me tell you, family today, you are to build a Christ-centered home where the Spirit of Christ is welcome, where His presence is a reality, where faith is talked about. For we are not ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first for the Jew, and then for the Gentile. We live in a generation that needs hope. We, leave, we live among a people who walk in darkness, but there has been shown a great light, and His name is Jesus. So let's build our homes on the right foundation today. You make that choice. You make that choice long before you ever get married. You make that choice. You're a married family. You're a married couple. Today, Make that choice. God's speaking to us today. I've got to tell you, man, I was convicted. I don't get convicted. I mean, I get convicted often, but I was really convicted writing this message. Just think of it, all the times that I didn't do it right. And I said, oh, God, thank you for grace. I want to say thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Think of all the times that I didn't say it right, didn't do it right. I had to ask my kids to forgive me. Sometimes I didn't even ask them. I just went on. See, I want to challenge you today. I want it just a sum total the decisions that you make. Today you can set your course in the course of future generations to serve God. To build your life on the right foundation. Family on the rock. Can you stand with me this morning? Our worship team is going to come. We're going to close it in a worship song in just a moment. But I believe in this room. God's speaking. I believe God's speaking to hearts. Can you close your eyes? The Holy Spirit is here. We were worshiping this morning earlier. and Like Pastor Glenn said, it was so sweet. It was such a sweet presence of Jesus. The presence of Jesus is always accompanied with love. He loves you today. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless your home. He's challenging you. God's speaking. Maybe there's some things in your life today that you just, you know you've allowed. You know you've just allowed. See, when we welcome God into our home, what we're telling our children is that God is loving, he's approachable, and he cares. God's loving today. The Bible says the greatest to me, the greatest example of God's love is found in Luke 15, where Jesus tells a story of a son who went sideways, a son who just rebelled and went out and did his own thing. And it says that the father stood there every day, went there looking, waiting for his son to return, waiting, longing. It's not about your past right now. It's about the present moment of encountering Christ's reality. It's so about your present moment, because your present. He's going to dictate your future. And God is with you today. He cares. He's loving. He's approachable. Your kids need to know it. You need to know it today. God's speaking to you right now. What's He saying? Is there an area of your life that He wants you to adjust? Is there a commitment that you need to reconfirm? An apology that you need to make to your children, to your spouse. What's the Lord saying to you? I don't care what what's happened in your world this week, last two weeks. I want you to know He cares. He cares. He cares. He's with you. He loves you. You're here today, and you don't know Christ. It's the first step of laying the right foundation: is to get your life out of Christ. Before I move any farther, I just want to give someone in this room an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. If you're here today and you know that you don't have a right relationship with Jesus, you know that you haven't surrendered completely to him. You're not even sure what all that means today, because this may be new to you. Something in your heart's telling you that you need Christ to be the center of your life. If you're here this morning, going I count to three, can you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, anyone in this room right now? Let's see the hand back there. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Are you a believer today? you love God maybe you've gone a little sideways maybe you know there's some things that you need to make some adjustments in and you would say Pastor I'm making a choice today to build my life build my family build my home I need God's grace to help me I need God's grace to help me to build my family on the rock to build the right foundation in our lives if that's you and you want me to pray for you can you just lift your hand right now in this room and all across this room amen All across just come on keep your hands up right now. You got your hand raised you know you need that you want prayer today God spoke to you about some things in your life. Can you just lift up both hands? Hallelujah Father I declare today over every person that raised their hand I thank you today for your grace. I thank you for your kindness I thank you that your word is here to bring comfort to bring help in our time of need Thank you that you've challenged us today Jesus to build our house on the right foundation Jesus, I pray for every person that's surrendered to You. Every person that's lifted their hand to You. I pray for Your grace, Your strength. God, we can't do this without You. Your mercies are new every morning. I come into an agreement. And I pray the blessing of Christ. I pray for a supernatural empowerment by Your Spirit. God, to do what only You can do. Thank You for the work of Your Spirit. Thank You for Your great grace that's upon these homes. Help us today to build our lives on the rock, Christ Jesus. Jesus, Savior, my name, come on. Let's worship Him.